Welcome to episode 171 of the X-Files Retrospective Podcast, released through Bureau of 42. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. This time around, we're taking a look at the Season 7 finale. So that's Season 7, Episode 22, Requiem, which originally aired on May 27th, 2001. The IMDb user score is an 8.8 out of 10, and the action primarily takes place in Oregon. And not just anywhere in Oregon. When this season was planned out, and they were breaking the story and breaking down the plots of all the episodes, as they do, it seemed like a very real possibility that this was going to be the series finale. So that's the way it was written. So they go back to the town that they were at for the pilot episode. And it's not just that town, but they encounter a lot of the characters. Virtually every prominent recurring character who's not dead is in this episode. So in addition to the standard David Duchovny, Gillian Anderson, and Mitch Pileggi, we have William B. Davis as the Smoking Man, Nick Lee as Alex Krychek, Lori Holden as Marita Kovarubias, Tom Braidwood as Melvin Froecki, Dean Hagland as Ringo Langley, Bruce Harwood as John Fitzgerald Byers, Brian Thompson, as the alien bounty hunter, and the one-time appearances by Leon Russom as Detective Miles, Zachary Ansley as Billy Miles, and Sarah Koskoff as Teresa Nemenhos are all recurring characters from that pilot episode. The only new performer in a prominent role is Gretchen Becker. She plays Greta, the cigarette-smoking man's nurse. She is also known for work in Hollywood Homicide, the 1991 film The Doors, Ed Wood, and Firehead. 28 acting credits to her name, ranging from 1986 to 2011. So Mulder and Scully are being reviewed by an accountant who's trying to do a cost-benefit analysis to decide if the X-Files are worth keeping open. And we don't get a clear answer to that, probably deliberately left hanging so that they had the flexibility to go either way with either a possible series renewal or with a possible movie, because that was the other idea, was that they could end Season 7 on a cliffhanger and do a second movie, which David Duchovny was more likely to return for. By the time they got to filming, they had had a very late renewal from Fox. Chris Carter and Gillian Anderson had decided to stick around, but David Duchovny was still in negotiations, so they did not know whether or not he would be returning as Mulder in the future. He did state that he wanted to focus more on a movie career than on a TV career, since that seemed to be building at the time. So it was felt that he'd be more likely to come back for a movie than a TV series. Which is not surprising. When they did the first movie, he was on a late-night talk show, I think it was with Letterman, I could be mistaken about that, and he was asked, you know, would you rather see this continue as movies, or would you rather see it go back to the TV show? And Duchovny's answer was, well, movies. I mean, let, let, and he was perfectly honest. He said, if you can get the same pay working six weeks a year versus 40 weeks a year, what would you do? He also expressed that at this point, he was finding that there wasn't a lot of new directions to take Mulder. And he felt that there was very little left to explore with the character. And at this point, I kind of have to agree with him. We have closure on Samantha's disappearance. 
We've got his relationship with Scully, which is as close as it's ever been, but not changing dramatically to sort of maintain the series as it's always been. They hadn't added new motives or new motivation to keep him going. So it's hard to say that he was wrong in that evaluation. But this is an interesting case, very much a getting the band back together. So under the cigarette smoking man's orders, Marita Kovarubias pulls Alex Krychek out of that Tunisian prison he was trapped in because a U.S. aircraft has collided with a UFO, that UFO has crashed in Oregon, and there's a race to recover it. Mulder and Scully are brought in by Billy Miles to investigate Ray's disappearance. Ray is also a multiple abductee and the husband of Teresa Neman. As viewers, we know that Ray is dead. He has been killed by the alien bounty hunter, who has now taken the form of Billy's father. And he is capturing all the abductees. Scully is experiencing some illness while she's there. Out of concern, Mulder suggests that she stay behind. She refuses to let him go back to Oregon alone. So she sends Skinner with him. Meanwhile, Krychek and Marita Kovarubias have also reached out to Mulder through Skinner at the FBI because they realize that the cigarette smoking man is trying to rebuild the conspiracy that he was a part of and make a new deal and keep going as they were before he dies of the fatal cancer that he is succumbing to. And they don't want to see that future, so they're willing to hand it all over to Mulder to make this happen. The lone gunman even confirmed the location, although they say it's not easy because the alien craft is cloaked. But it does give us a great scene in a boardroom where you don't just have Mulder, Scully, and Skinner. You've got Mulder, Scully, Skinner, all the lone gunmen, Marita Kovarubias, and Alex Krychek. As great as it is for the audience to pan over all of them, it is a little bit awkward since they're all standing on the same side of a table and they're not half on one side, half on the other. It's a little bit unnatural. But still, it's a great shot. It just really does feel like they were trying to send the series off in style. And it's only too late that Scully checks the medical records and finds out that all the abductees have the same sort of brain anomalies that Mulder showed earlier this year in the season premiere. So that the reason that, you know, when she tripped in the woods, she didn't just trip, she was evaluated by the ship and rejected. The ship didn't want her. They wanted Mulder. So Mulder ends up being captured by them, or abducted, along with all the other serial abductees in town. And when Skinner comes back to tell this to Scully, he also learns that Scully is somehow pregnant. There's a lot of fan speculation as to how that happened. They even remind you a couple of times in this episode that her own abduction experiences left her barren. That will eventually get resolved, but it won't happen soon. So overall, this is one of the strongest episodes of Season 7, and of the series as a whole. This really did feel like it was being set up as a series finale, and could have easily served as one had they not gotten that late renewal. By the time it aired, we knew what was in the future for David Duchovny as Mulder. He had agreed to come back part-time in season eight, but had also said once season eight is done, he would not entertain returning to the X-Files as a TV series until the series finale. 
which allowed them to say, basically, don't kill him off. They'd had to keep him alive, but they can keep him out of the picture. Until the series came to a close, he could come back for the big finish. Which leaves a hole that we will investigate when we start looking at Season 8 in two weeks' time. But as cliffhangers go, this actually works really well. If you didn't know all the -the behind-the-scenes stuff, it could really open up a lot of questions, too. As far as the science, there's no new science to explore here. It's the same abduction ideas that we've had in the past. For the cloaking technology, we are actually approaching that now. The cloaking technology that humans have developed is not the same as this. We are talking about essentially walking around wearing what is effectively a flexible screen and camera combination. If you move slowly and can carry around a sizable power source, then they do have cloaks that can take images of what's behind you and project that in front of you and adapt as you're going. They're not terribly practical yet, but it's getting there. So if you tell me that a race that's already achieved interstellar flight can do a better job, well, I'm not going to argue with that. The mechanisms behind it are different. The idea of distorting time when it's really just messing around with time pieces, really, and the mechanisms inside them. I mean, a watch is just something that works to regular effect. Seeing it run backwards here doesn't mean that time itself is running backwards. A watch is not tapped into the space-time continuum. If the watch was running backwards in time, so would the biology be of the arm that's holding on to it, and you wouldn't notice the difference. This is really just something that messes around with electronics and mechanics. So in theory, you'd expect it to mess around with people as well, because it's hard to come up with a way to generally destroy one without also impacting the human body, especially when they're being impacted to this degree. In any event, that's about all we have to say about Requiem. Join us next week as we look at Season 7 as a whole, and then the week after that we will dig into Season 8. Thank you for listening.